baby. I hope you are ready. Bethany Frankel just had Rachel Raquel Rocky Rocky Bang Bang on her podcast. It dropped this morning, and this is my live raw reaction to it. I have a lot of feelings. Let's get into it. You're listening to Hashtag No Filter with Zach Peter. That's me, your naturally platinum blonde pop culture connoisseur. I'm the reality TV junkie, self-improvement addict, and host with only the hottest tea spilled fresh all week long. You're one of my favorite interviewers. They picked us because we're horny. Yeah. Right. And that's your chronic state. That's 24-7. Zach, that is really funny. From the latest news on The Real Housewives, deep dives into celebrity legal scandals, and unfiltered convos with your favorite stars. I've got you covered. And yes, I always keep receipts. Okay, welcome on in, welcome on in, welcome on in. You know the drill. If you're watching this on YouTube or watching this on Spotify, you'll know I have some ginormous sunglasses on. That is because I got my LASIK eye surgery done. Shout out to Dr. Alexandra Shabil out in Newport Beach. Thank you for giving me new eyes. Um... So yeah, I do kind of have to wear, I asked her if I could tape the podcast today and she was like, I mean, yeah, just like, you know, with all the lights on you, just like make sure you have like sunglasses, like protective glasses on and she's like, just make it a vibe. And so that's what we're doing today. Today we're making it a vibe. LASIK went well. My eyes are a little dry, which is natural and normal. Um, And they're just like a little itchy, but like for the most part, they feel fine. I can see clearly, like surprisingly, I have no glasses on. I have no contacts on and I can actually like read my notes on my screen. Like this is insane. The fact that I just had surgery yesterday, less than 24 hours ago. And now here we are living life talking about Rocky Rocky Bang Bang and Bethany Frankel, which we're going to get into. We're going to get into all of it. This is my real raw reaction. I just finished listening to... The, her podcast interview on Just Be, she listed it as part one. She did like a Beyonce drop like Carlos King's been doing. He also just had Kenya on his podcast after Bethany. Haven't listened to that one yet. But she lists, Bethany lists this as part one. So I'm assuming we're going to get more. I don't know why we even need more because I feel like this was more than enough. Um, but here we go. I'm going to break it down and give you my thoughts as we go. So Bethany opens up the interview by asking Raquel, Rachel, I guess I'll refer to her as Rachel from here on out because um, that's what she prefers. That's her, her preferred name, even though after listening to this interview, I have many thoughts about Rachel. Bethany asks Rocky Rocky Bang Bang, how did we get here? Apparently, Bethany never watched Vanderpump Rules, which is also annoying because this immediately starts to feel like another Howie Mandel interview. Why are people doing these interviews when they have no idea what the situation is? You never watched Vanderpump Rules. You didn't watch the reunion. You don't know the history between these people. You don't know the fact fabric of their relationships. Why are you interviewing them? She said that um, Bethany's like, Ariana wasn't married. Ariana had no kids. So what's the big deal? Again, you don't know the big deal because you don't know the details of this relationship. She, Bethany says she only took interest in Rachel because she saw all of the headlines and then Rachel's rep reached out to Bethany. So Rachel's rep is immediately, they're the ones that wanted to have this relationship with Bethany and to have this interview be conducted, probably to craft their narrative. Rachel says that reality TV is not entirely factual, but an affair resonates with people. So she understands how it made her the punching bag because it people made her the punching bag as a result of their own 
projections. She says that people hated her because, I guess, whatever situations they were going through. But reality TV isn't the full story, which I kind of agree with. But at the same time, this happened to have been a real thing that was going on because it wasn't happening on camera. It was happening behind the scenes. They were hiding this affair until it happened to come out. And then cameras pulled up again to capture it. But the affair was hidden from the cameras. They were keeping that from the cameras. So, yeah, when you say reality television isn't the entire story because you're lying, because you're hiding the situation that's actually going on. But she says that when it comes to the affair, she feels badly for her actions and she feels badly for the pain that she caused. She says that she was still healing from a relationship with someone that she thought she was going to marry obviously referring to James. She says that she was drinking a lot in an attempt to numb the pain. And right out the gate, I just want to say I went in wanting to give her the benefit of the doubt. Yet already I feel like there's a lot of victimization. And this is only in the first few minutes of the interview. Already a lot of victimization and talking points that we're hitting regarding this big reality TV reckoning, right? Because both Raquel and Bethany have already referenced alcohol and being in an alcohol-induced environment. Um... Bethany talked about how like, oh, well, it's a bar setting. So you guys are obviously drinking a lot. And then Raquel's like, yes, I was drinking a lot. And so it's like, okay, that's clearly one of the talking points that you're trying to outline in your lawsuit against NBC and Bravo. So now I'm, I'm immediately like mm, guard up, wanting to be skeptical. I genuinely went into this interview wanting to hear Raquel's side of things and wanting to hear, okay, she went into therapy. She went into treatment. She spent 90 days in there. Let's see if she really is a changed woman. Let's keep going. Um, Bethany even notes that the footage, which she admittedly did not watch, will live out in the world forever with no compensation. She's like, see, and now that footage is out there forever, and you're not going to get a penny of that. And then Raquel's like, yeah, I'm not going to get a penny of that. And now to be clear, I've always been a supporter of reality stars getting residuals. I'm already becoming skeptical of this interview, though, because I, while I agree with part of Bethany's mission, I feel like Bethany is definitely capitalizing off of this situation, and she's using Rachel the same way that she's accusing the network of using Rachel. And we also just found out the other day, what was it, um, that she was just pitching, I think it was an exclusive, what, did Page Six release that, that she was pitching a show to Bravo just a couple months ago that they rejected. So it's like, you just pitch them a show, but yet they're this terrible network exploiting reality stars. Then why are you pitching them another unscripted show for them to pick up in green light if they're so terrible? They became terrible because you wanted to capitalize off of the SAG strike. Like, that's the reality. Bethany's smart. She capitalizes off of things. But, like, this is really, really cheap, low-hanging fruit. And she, I don't envision this ending well for her. Listen, Nini tried to sue the network, and Nini didn't come as strong as I think Bethany is coming, but I just, I feel like, like, what network is ever going to want to work with Bethany Frankel again after she did this to the network that gave her an opportunity and built her? Martha Stewart's Apprentice did not build Bethany. This show, Real Houses of New York, Bravo, and everything that they gave her, all the spinoffs that they gave her, they made Bethany. They gave her this opportunity. She capitalized off of it. She used it to... to her umpteenth degree and like was able to build something substantial for herself. And that's incredible. But it's like, how do you then go back and bite the hand that fed you? Bite the hand that gave you the entire silver platter for the life that you have today. And you want to make it out like you care about these reality stars. You don't give a shit about Raquel. You do not care about her. You're using her to feed your ego, to take on this reality TV reckoning. That's why you're so good at trying to market all of this. Like, it's actually really sad. It really is. And the fact that, you know, Rachel and her PR team and her management team or whoever fell for this, 
what was their, like, what did they want to do? Try to reclaim the narrative? I don't know. But really quickly, I do want to send some love to my pals at Chomps. You guys know I love Chomps. I've ha- I've been eating Chomps for years. Chomps make snacking simple. They're tasty meat sticks packed with mouth-watering flavor and only the best real ingredients. Each delicious Chomp stick has the protein your body needs, over 9 grams per stick, and zero sugar. They're low-carb, keto-friendly, allergy-friendly, and don't contain any fillers. Unlike me, Chomps are simply made with natural ingredients that you can feel good about. Easy and convenient to throw in your bag and take with you on the go. No refrigeration required. That's why I love them. I carry them with me on the go when I'm traveling in between meetings, in between tapings. Like when I have a long day of tapings, it's nice to just have a chomstick handy, bum, 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 nosh, 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 and be good. Feel satiated, feel full, because protein makes you feel full. I love some good quality protein. They come in nine different flavors. My favorite, as I've told you many times, is the jalapeno beef. I also think the original beef is also delicious, but the jal- I just I love a little kick. I love a little spice. So I do love me the jalapeno beef. But I'm telling you guys, I love Chomps. I think you're going to love Chomps too. I know a lot of you have tried them and sent me your photos. So continue to send me your photos and let me know how you're enjoying them. Give Chomps a try with code ZAK20. That's Z-A-C-K-20. ZAK20 for 20% off your order at Chomps.com. That's code ZAK20 at Chomps, C-H-O-M-P-S, Chomps.com today. And also, while I'm on the note of my favorite things, you know I also love to be a good host. And part of being a good host is having everyone's favorite drink candy. Aperol Spritz, I gotcha, boo. Vodka soda with a twist, easy peasy. Spicy margarita with a tahini rim and a splash of Grand Marnier Cordon Rouge, no problem. Even if you want a skinny margarita, a real skinny margarita, not a skinny girl margarita. I've got Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. Drizzly is here to be your partner in parties, meaning they're here to help you take the grunt work out of the get-together so that you can be a confident host and actually party at your own party. Drizzly is the most convenient way to buy beer, wine, and spirits with delivery to your door when you want it, all from the comfort of your couch. Because damn, is it a comfortable couch. The convenience speaks for itself. Any true Housewives fan knows the importance of being a good party host, and a good host has Drizzly. So, download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com today. Chomps, Drizzly, I love ya. But now, let's get back to the tea, shall we? There's still so much to break down. Bethany says that nobody can relate to what it's like being on reality television unless you're in it, which I get. And I I can, you know, understand that she says even Andy Cohen doesn't know what that's like because he's on a different side of it. He's not on the inside of it. He's not in the fishbowl. He's the one feeding the fish. So Rachel says that the person that we saw on Vanderpump Rules was so out of character for her. And she appreciates this opportunity to be able to share the real side of her that Bethany is giving her. Right. I'm sorry. It does feel like another Howie Mandel interview. You don't know the situation. You don't know the show. You don't know this girl. Anyway, Rachel explains why she wanted to be called Raquel in the first place, because it felt like it was a wall of protection so that there were other Rachels in her class and she just wanted to be different. She wanted to be special. And it was like a wall that protected her from being vulnerable. She got to hide behind this character of um. Raquel, which I get. I think that's why, like, Beyonce talks about, have, like, Sasha Fierce, right? You know, you sometimes have this name, and this name is this persona that you can kind of um, 
channel when you need to like not let that like vulnerable side of you out. So I can understand that. I get that. She talks about doing inner child work and therapy and how she was able to resonate with that part of her by going by Rachel again because Rachel's really who she is at her core. She says that she's grateful that her family helped her gain the access to treatment. She was there for 90 days. She claims that she trusted friends with certain information and those friends leaked that to the press, which she was very unhappy about. I don't know about this one. I feel like some of those or most of those leaks were very strategic. The way that they were crafted, the way that they were they were leaked to certain publications, it all felt very strategic that I highly doubt she's going to some of her closest inner friends that were just leaking all of this stuff. And what were they leaking it for? It wasn't like it was making Raquel look bad in any of this. If anything, they were like making her look better in a lot of it. And the only ones that I think would leak anything that wouldn't make Raquel look good were the network because that's you always have to look at who the article benefits, right? A lot of the time these leaks came and benefited Raquel when they weren't benefiting the network. So I felt like it was the two of them playing each other. She said the other friends, she was so hurt because they had to unfollow her on Instagram because it was too controversial to stay following her. I get that, but like your your, your real friends are always going to, like they're not going to give a shit about that, you know? And if they unfollow you on Instagram, then that means that they were never really your friend. And if anything, that's the universe clearing out the trash. Bethany then reads Raquel's Instagram apology and Rachel says that she very much stands by it. And then she, get in, she gets into her love addiction. And love addiction, she explains, is where you confuse intimacy, intensity for intimacy, which this I can relate to. I don't know if I would ever consider myself a love addict or you know somebody that has love addiction, but I've definitely been caught up in cycles that you know, I do confuse intensity for intimacy. And I think that that's a normal thing. I think that that's actually something that we, I mean, it's something that we can work on. I'm not saying that love addiction isn't real. I don't know. I'm not a professional in that world, but I just know I've gotten myself caught up into cycles like this that I can relate to that. And I can understand what this description of what they referred to as love addiction actually is, because I think we can all kind of get caught in that depending on where we're at, depending on our past experiences, depending on possible prior trauma. Um, I do think that a lot of these things are buzzwords sometimes, and sometimes people misuse those. That's why I don't consider myself a love addict or somebody that struggles with love addiction, but that is how Rachel is choosing to identify. She blames love addiction as to why she couldn't stop seeing Tom Sandoval. And Bethany says she gets it because everything is bigger on reality television. And if anything, Vanderpump Rules celebrates and encourages affairs because it's bad people behaving badly. Rachel says that affairs have been normalized and Rachel looked up to her cast members as a way to see an example of how to make good reality television because they're the pros. And I'm sorry. So because an affair makes good TV and because your other cast members had an affair before, what, that makes it okay? And because Rachel happens to be a love addict, that kind of explains it all. Oh, I'm a love addict and they were having an affair. So I was just trying to make good TV. So were you in love with Tom Sandoval or you were just trying to make good TV? Like, which one is it? Pick a lane, right? And these are the questions like Bethany should have been asking her, but she wasn't because Bethany doesn't know the situation. Anyway, I digress. Let's keep going. I'll give my final thoughts at the end, but let's keep going. All, but my thing is, it's like all Rachel had to say was, listen, the environment that I was in was not healthy for me, which is why I chose to leave that environment. 
Dina Manzo, perfect example, right? Real Housewives of New Jersey wasn't for her. She saw it hinder her relationship with her sister Caroline. So after season one, she left the show. She was contractually obligated to still fulfill a couple of episodes, which she did, which is why we saw her in a couple of episodes in season two. But after that, she was done with the show and she never looked back. She spoke out about it recently too, just saying like it wasn't anything that she was interested in. The fame, none of it. Like she was just so far removed from that and wanted to not be in that world anymore. And cool, you know? Then Rachel could have talked about wanting to look in, you know, wanting to look inward and focus on therapy and self-help and say, look, I'm working on myself. I would have respected that if she would have came into it like that. I took a break. I needed to focus on myself. And I just realized reality television isn't for me. That whole world is not of interest to me. But it feels like the exact opposite. It feels like that world is of interest to her. She's just struggling to fit into that world, right? Because now she's been an outsider. And maybe that relates to her insecurities growing up and feeling like an outsider and being in the pageant world. I think she wants to be in it so badly. And she hates that she was positioned as the villain but listen some of the best reality stars were positioned as villains and they were able to capitalize that and use that by leaning into it and playing the game in order to then be beloved look at Kristen Doty look at Stassi Schroeder look at Jax Taylor a lot of people still don't like them but like you know those are look at Spidey you know I would have respected if she really came into it from that perspective but this interview this whole angle this narrative it feels very PR You know, Rachel wants to rehab her image, which I get. Bethany wants to blow the lid on Bravo. So none of this interview feels authentic to me at all. And then when it comes to the final scene of the reunion where she was finally talking about how, you know, what the real timeline of the affair was, Rachel says that honesty is one of her core values and that she will no longer compromise that. So Rachel is honest. Raquel is not honest, right? Because Raquel is a completely different person. So Rachel values honesty and transparency, which is what we're going to get into in this interview because she's pretty honest. And I feel like that honesty comes through and it really shows us who she is. So Rachel says that she wanted to fulfill her work obligation by attending the reunion. And then she immediately went into treatment. She said that everyone in treatment was really nice to her. She was apprehensive, but, you know, that helped her forgive herself by being welcomed and embraced by them. We literally only spend one minute, maybe two minutes talking about Rachel's treatment journey, though. Then we immediately jump into the show and the network making money. And Rachel says that, you know, she wanted to talk to Bethany because, um, one, she feels like Bethany's a force to be reckoned with. And two, she's like, because I haven't seen a single penny from Scandival. And she was a big part of Scandival. So she's like, you know, they're all making money and I'm not making money off of Scandival. So my thing, and she's like, and that's not fair. It's just not fair. It's unfair. I'm like, do you want equality? Do you want fairness? Do you want to heal your mental health? Or do you just want your bag? You know, because you know why you didn't see an, a penny from Scandival? Because you went underground and went into treatment. That's the reality. Like, let's call a spade a spade. It's a great thing. I'm happy that she went into treatment. And I wanted to believe that she went into treatment with good intentions. This interview does not appear to be that. You don't go to treatment and then come out of treatment bitter saying that it's not fair that you didn't get your bag. While you were in treatment for 90 days, the rest of the cast was signing endorsement deals. They were filming the show. They made a choice. Rachel made a choice. It was probably the better choice for her own mental health and her own sanity. So I don't want to knock that. But the bottom line is she still made a choice. And the choice was not to sign endorsement deals. The choice was not to capitalize off of the moment. You know, the same way she made a choice, a repeated choice, several choices to continue sleeping with Sandoval for many, many months, for several months, to lie to Ariana's face on camera and off camera for several months. Those were choices. We have to be held accountable for the choices that we made. 
right? I don't like this culture that we're in right now where there's this lack of accountability and always a passing on to the buck of somebody else. You triggered me. Oh, you exploited me. You lied to me. You manipulated me. It's like, no, at what point do we do some inner self-reflection and say, hey, I put myself in this choice. I made this decision and I continue to make these bad decisions, you know, and not blame it on love addiction or not blame it on childhood trauma. But like, at what point do we become fully formed, baked adults and say, hey, I have to take accountability for my own life. I have to take accountability for my own actions. If there was a guy that was an asshole to me, I continued to see this guy. I continued to allow this guy to not see my full value, to not respect me in the way that I know I deserve to be respected. And you know what? I learned from that. I'm going to take away from that experience that I allowed myself to get caught up in that situation. And now I'm going to leave that situation and be a fully empowered person, woman, man, whatever, moving forward. And I'm going to take that feedback and use that and apply that to my future relationships. Now, it's not that easy for everyone. And I know that you're, some people are going to drag me because they're like, that's not easy for everyone because of this and that and all of these other reasons. And I get that, right? I'm not trying to victim shame anyone. But I also think that there's a difference between victim shaming and this constant need to victimize ourselves. And I feel like Rachel is in that cycle right now. And this is, I think, one of the challenges with certain treatment programs, not all of them, but certain ones, because I remember being in a treatment program myself for having an eating disorder. I struggled with bulimia for many, many years. And then I went into treatment. And in that process, I learned a lot, but I also learned that like there is this self-victimization approach sometimes. And that's why I left my treatment center and ended up doing alternative treatments with therapy, with education, with a whole bunch of other stuff that really helped me overcome those battles with my eating disorders. Um, because I feel like when you are constantly, you know, looking at yourself as a victim, you know, you don't see your own power and you don't see your own value to then stick up for yourself. You're always going to allow other people to take away your power. And I think that there's a different message. There's a more important message that we can learn from that. And that message is not coming out of treatment saying, hey, I didn't get my pennies in the network. You made money off of me. You exploited me without forgetting the fact that you signed a contract and you agreed to participate in this and you continue to participate in it, right? It's always somebody else's fault. But we have to go and do some inner self-reflection, just being willing to say, hey, I fucked up, plain and simple. I fucked up and now I want to do better. Now I want to be better. But now she says that she wants to be better while also saying that she wants a piece of the pie that she called so toxic. Why do you want a piece of the pie if that pie was so toxic, if that world was so toxic? It's like people that leave Hollywood because they're like, it was too toxic. Then leave Hollywood. And they do, right? So Rachel says that they pay you based off of your performance, which is why going into season 10, she said that she very much wanted to perform well. She wanted to go in and deliver. Reality TV is a game. Bethany, of all people, knows the game, and she played it viciously. Remember when Bethany tore into Kelly Bensimone on Scary Island, go to sleep, go to sleep, when she tore into Luann after rehab, when she made a joke out of Sonia for the whole tipsy girl thing and tried to educate Sonia about business because Sonia doesn't know anything, or when she called a Dor Dorinda a drunk on national television. I mean, granted, Dorinda does like to drink, but it's like Bethany knew what she was doing. Um, and Bethany says that this game is, you know, you kill or be killed. And listen, Bethany's a sniper. Had Bethany been on Vanderpump Rules, I think she would have been like Lala. And let's be clear, Bethany would have destroyed Rachel had Bethany been cast on Vanderpump Rules while this was all going on. Bethany played the game and she won the game and she knew how to play it well. <sighs> so that's why I'm like annoyed with Bethany where she's like, oh yeah, these people are so terrible. They, they were so mean to you. It's like, but you were that bitch. When you were on the show, and I'm not calling Bethany a bitch, I'm saying like that bitch, you know what I mean? Um, anyway, 
then we get into the relationships. And Bethany says that they're, um, they're either not – the relationships you have on these shows are either not real because you need alliances or the real relationships, there's pressure put on them and the show destroys them. Rachel says that Ariana was never her best friend. She was merely an acquaintance that she met through the show and someone that was just nice to her. But then I'm like, what about all the times that we saw them hanging out together off the show when the show wasn't in production? And she says that that was Tom Sandoval inviting her out and it was always in a group setting. So I don't believe that Rachel and Ariana were ever really best friends. I think that that was heightened up for the show. But I also don't believe that they were never friends. Rachel literally said prior to this that she had no other friends in L.A. except these people. She says that Ariana that she and Ariana never had a deep conversation. But that also contradicts what she used to say before about how Ariana took her under her wing and always defended her. She says that she just got wrapped up in the affair and she just wasn't thinking clearly. And then she even giggles as she says that Ariana isn't her best friend. She's like, she wasn't my best friend. She always has that little weird, awkward laugh. But that's where you see, that's where the real Rachel comes out. That's not even Raquel. That's not even Rocky, Rocky, bang me. That's, that's straight up Rachel right there. Rachel wants to be honest. The real Rachel was shown. She said that they only hung out in group settings and that they never hung out alone off of the show. She also talks about Sheena and she says that Sheena wasn't one of, she, no, she actually says Sheena was one of her best friends, but she wasn't as close to Sheena as Sheena made it out to see made it out to seem. Rachel says that Sheena was never the mother that she never had, which is what Sheena said on the show, and that that was another misconception. She also says that she was staying in Sheena's LA apartment while Sheena was living in San Diego, and she claims that she did pay rent. She says that it's unfortunate that Sheena took that Sheena thinks that Rachel took advantage of her because they were never as close as Sheena made it out to be. And then when it comes to Tom and Ariana's relationship, she says, this is her exact quote, I would never be involved in this affair, secrecy type of situation, if I thought that there was longevity in this relationship between Tom and Ariana. Literally, Rachel is that bitch. She just said, there was the relationship was never going to last. So it was okay for me to fuck her. Or sorry, it was okay for me to fuck him. Again, Bethany would be able to hold Rachel accountable if Bethany knew the details of this relationship. But Bethany's just believing whatever Raquel's selling her, the same way Howie Mandel believed whatever Tom Sandoval was selling him. So, I mean, just the fact that she said, I wouldn't be in this affair if I thought that their relationship would have gone the distance. That's not your place. They're in a relationship. You have to respect that. And Ariana even told you that in the Something About Her Party event. She says that their relationship isn't what they portrayed for it to be on camera. She says that they are a duo on a reality show and use that for the success of their brand and co-image which is their image together. She says that she gave Tom the key to her apartment so that he didn't have to stay there with Ariana while she was in treatment, but he chose to continue to live with Ariana through all of this. She says it's not surprising that they're living together still because they've basically always been roommates. She said, I mean, they literally have a nine-year relationship and this bitch came in well deep into the relationship and she wants to like act like she knows their nine-year relationship now. She says the way that Ariana spoke to her at the reunion was uncalled for. It was raw. I've said that a million times. It, it wasn't right. But like, think of if we were in that position and this was the first time we were seeing the mistress that was our friend that slept with our partner of nine years. Yeah, you're probably going to say some really unsavory things. Not that it was right, but it was raw human emotion. She says that she just got caught up into something that was way too big for her to handle. Then we get into the naughty FaceTime. Raquel explains that this happened while she was in New York for Watch What Happens Live, that she was watching porn. She FaceTimed Tom. One thing led to another. Then while in New York for Watch What Happens Live, Ariana sent her, or after Watch What Happens Live, Ariana sent her the screenshot of the FaceTime with Tom saying that saying you're dead to me, which Ariana said in the finale. She said that Tom recorded her without her consent. 
again, I mean, listen, that was wrong. Tom shouldn't have recorded her, but I don't think she would have had a problem had Ariana not found out and had it not come out the way that it did. She said that Ariana called and yelled at her. Bethany didn't even know that the the affair was seven months long. Bethany was like, how long was this? Oh, it was seven months. Oh, wow. And you can see that there's a little bit of reflection in Bethany's eyes. It's like, oh, well, that does sound kind of bad. But then she continues to double down on this. So then she says this happened while Tom, this is the part that really gets me. Raquel says that this conversation with Ariana was going on because Tom, it all happened while Tom was performing his hit new single at Tom Tom. So everyone was there. The fact that she even believes that he was performing his hit. I couldn't even tell you the name of his hit new single that he was performing at Tom Tom. That's how caught up in this she was with him. But Bethany seems skeptical of how Ariana found the video. She's like, I don't believe that the phone fell out of his pocket. And then she just happened to like get in it and find the video. She's like, I don't know. Something about that feels fishy. Again, if she knew the story, it didn't seem that fishy to me. Ariana says it was woman's intuition. You have that gut feeling when you're like, I need to check this. Something feels off with my boyfriend. I need to check this. Not that that's right because then there's a lack of trust, but that moment does happen. Rachel thinks that a lot of people saw the naughty FaceTime video, but she's not sure and that it's not le- – she doubles down and really makes it clear that it's not, it wasn't legal of Ariana to send that video. So, again, she's playing this game of, like, all the talking points that they're going to take in this lawsuit that they're trying to build against NBC and Bravo. She says that she doesn't believe now that she and Tom were ever truly in love. She said that Tom just gave her the time of day that she needed at that time. And that's where part one ends. Then part two will be coming soon. But I'm very curious what your thoughts are. Um, that was a lot. That was a lot. It was a lot to take in. It was a lot to digest. Um, I will get we'll get into it more on this week's live. I do have to run to my LASIK follow up appointment. So this is where I leave you. And just like that, we come to a wrap. But a lot to process. I mean, I broke it down for you in 30 minutes. The interview itself is like 40 ish, almost 50 minutes. So you can listen to it. It's on Bethany's Just Be podcast. I'm curious what your thoughts are. But Until then, thank you guys for tuning in to No Filter with Zach Peter. Um, That's all we're covering for today. Like I said, I just got LASIK, so I'm in the recovery process. Don't want too many lights on me for too long. But we'll go live on Thursday like we always do. And I'll take your, your voicemail questions. So be sure to leave those for me. Leave me a voicemail. Call me, reach me if you want to call me beat me if you want to reach me if you want to page me that's okay the call-in number is 323-389-5915 that's 323-389-5915 call in say hey this is so-and-so calling in from so-and-so and here's my question it'll be an ask zach night so we'll end thursday night's live with that that'll air on the podcast on friday so again you can call into our hotline and leave me a voicemail at 323-389-5915 Keep up with me at Just Plain Zach all over the internet and follow the podcast at No Filter with Zach all over the internet. If you're listening to this on Spotify or Apple, please leave me a nice review. Five stars. We love those five stars. And let me know what you're enjoying about the podcast. Thank you guys. Be sure to subscribe on YouTube, hit the like button on your way out and drop a comment below letting me know your thoughts of this Rocky Rocky Bang Bang interview with Bethany Bethany Bang Bang. BB Bang Bang. I don't know what we're going to call her. But all right, guys. I love you. I appreciate you. Go for now.